gentlemen, welcome back to podcastjuice.net. My name is Michael Dean, and today we are here doing a podcast on Prince. This is the unofficial Prince podcast. <laughs> I can say that, right? Uh, and today, this is a day long remembered. Uh, we have seen the fall of the rebellion. Uh, I'm sorry, Star Wars. Wrong, in wrong show. Wrong show. <laughs> uh, today we are reviewing 1999. This is the deluxe edition. Uh, it is finally here. This is one that I've certainly been waiting for for quite a long time. I'm super excited. This album is bananas. Uh, we're going to talk about it and, and jump dive into it a little bit. But joining me today to help me do this. Big, sexy, and saxer, how are you? Oh, man. Food coma hangover from Thanksgiving. All right. That's enthusiasm. All right. Enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's good. Yeah, we are recording this right after Thanksgiving. Also joining us, Mr. Ant Pooh. Sir, how are you? I'm doing great. Just trying to make it through the weekend again. All right. All right. And we have one of the OGs of the podcast. He comes through on the special occasions, and this is certainly a special one. Mr. Day Dropping, sir, how are you? I am doing well. Gentlemen, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to talk about this crazy, crazy release. Yes, yes. And let me, uh, I can't I can't keep this energy up the whole show, so let me temper it down a little bit. Because I can be, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to be doing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's relax, uh, settle in, because we're going to be here for a while to talk about this one. So if you are a Prince fan, this is for you. So here we go. Uh, 1999, you already know the story of this album. This was uh, released back in 1982, uh, October 27th to be exact. You know, I think one of the things that I had to go back and remember is that this album came out at a time where Prince was really flexing his muscles in terms of just his production and, you know, the whole star company and everything. I mean, this comes, this album came right off the heels of the Vanity Six album, right? Uh, they had Nasty Girl was their big jam. Uh, the Time's second album, uh, came out after that, uh, I believe in August. Both of those two were in August of 82. And of course, the time second album, Monster. And let me just deviate for one quick second. We'll, we'll probably do a whole show about this later, but I just want to throw this out here. After everything that we sort of have been hearing and that we know and what's been revealed, the second time album, I'll say this, deserves this same sort of treatment. I'm, it's probably not going to get that. You know, we may have to wait another 10, 20 years for that. But that album deserves this deluxe treatment as well. Because let me just throw uh, what in my mind now. Here's my playlist for that album. Right. Uh, Bold Generation. 777-9311. Jerk Out. International Lover. Uh, that would be like the first side. That's already done. You done. That's a whole party right there. Back in the day, you used to have a record player and they go to the party and just drop the needle. You could drop the needle at the very top and let that whole side play. Y'all done it. Y'all already done on that first side, right? You done dance your ass off and then they, they pull out the blue light in the last song. <laughs> so <laughs> that's side one. Side two would be the walk. Gigolos get lonely too. And then uh, I don't want to leave you. And to me, just like the fact that Prince had, and I'm, I, of course, I left out like Wild and Loose and, you know, standout hits. But 
But I'm just to say, if that if that album had it came out like if we we're gonna play the if that thing, if that would have dropped like that, man, shit, it'd have been bananas. Time would time was already crazy, but that would have just been like that would be everybody would be having yo. You got that time album in your collection? Yeah, man. Go ahead and throw that on me. Hey, we done. But anyway, I digress. So coming off of the heels of those two. Prince drops 1999, right? So if you just think about already all the stuff that he's already done, and this is so early in his situation, but it was like sort of the first pinnacle in my mind of where his career started and where he was at that point. That was like, boom, a double album along with two other albums of shit. (laughs) You know, that's nuts. And then of course, you know, they go on the tour and super success, whatever. Uh, I'm going to say this also now. We're, we're get right into the review. As I look at this album now, and this might sound funny to some people, this album to me would be like the, this is Prince's Off the Wall and yeah. Purple Rain would be Thriller. Yeah. That's yeah. how I kind of. I, I, can, I can back that. Yeah, I kind of. I kind of. Yeah. Look at that like that. And and we've already oh. gotten the Purple Rain Deluxe Edition. That compared to this I almost feel like they just go ahead and recall that. <laughs> and, and yeah, they need to do a take two on that. They really do. Yeah, volume two, because this just blows the water. This is sets the stage for how moving forward, they're going to have to kind of come at these projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that said, let's just get into it. Um, so let's just talk about the album 1999. We're not going to necessarily do a song for song on this particular part of it, but I want to get you guys' thoughts on this re-release, you know, the remaster. Is it really a remaster? I remember Purple Rain one. It was kind of like, couldn't really tell too much of the difference. But I feel like things might be a little different here. So I'm actually going to start with Day Dropping. Sir, what are your thoughts on 1999, the Deluxe Edition? Okay. Well, in general, just to kind of give a little bit of context to it, when I heard uh, a few years ago, uh, this isn't Prince, but when I heard the release from Kiss for their Destroyer album, when it was remastered, um, after having heard that album so many times and I heard the remaster, I was like, wow, yeah, this this is different. This sounds a lot clearer. It sounds more filled out. It, you know, I can hear different instrumentation on it. I, I can do. I felt like that was a very well done remaster. It had a couple little quirks here and there that a lot of people still talk about uh, as far as the mastering goes on it. But for the most part, in general, the sound was just clearer. It sounded uh, a lot more, I guess you could say, up to date and and I really enjoyed that. With this release, um, it, it's not as crazy as that release for me was sonically hearing it, but I can definitely hear some differences in this one. Uh, primarily, I, I like that I can hear a lot more percussion in it. The The mix of percussion with the other instrumentation sounds a little bit better, but I do have to say that in order to really benefit it, you either have to have some really good speakers to hear it from or to, uh, some uh, reasonable uh, headphones. Um, just do it, putting this in your car and playing it from there, it may not be enough. It'll still sound good and it still sounds clear, but you're going to get basically when you do it that way, what you're going to get is the same type of uh, uh, response as a Purple Rain release when you hear it like in your car. It's going to be like, well, it's louder and that's good, I guess, but I don't see how that's a remaster. Yeah, it is louder, but what you get 
a different type of mix in, in some of the tracks. And I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll discuss those for a little bit too. But overall, I do see it, hear a difference in it. It's not a crazy difference. And I think that's mostly because folks may be waiting for a sign of the times remaster to really get that kind of a feel. Uh, but with this, with this release, um, some tracks, I, I definitely heard it. Uh, but I do like the way it sounds. It sounds clearer for me. And, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. It was, it was a good it was a good remaster. I, I appreciate this remaster of the of the album proper a lot more than I did the remastering of the Purple Rain one proper. All right. Um, let me just throw one song in the mix real quick. Uh, probably not the first one, but the one that I was really curious how it would sound was uh, the song Free. Like to me, that song was always sort of like lower than every sounding than all the other songs all the time. And it was like, uh-huh. this is a quiet song anyway, a little bit. And that one's when I said, you know what? They, they, they yeah, they, they put so working on this. Cause now to me, you can hear all of the little instrumentation that's going on in that. And it's all like front to center. It's not blasted loud but you can now to me you can actually hear the beauty of everything that's going on in that song where before you could only hear certain aspects of it i think now it just sounds perfect that's when i was like okay yeah 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 this i actually want to keep playing this song and even just to hear the outro clear with his piano playing it's just fantastic like that's a beautiful song like I, i already knew this but it was just like man my man was actually, this could have been, obviously, you know, then we wouldn't promote that song, but in my mind, I always think of if this song had been giving uh, an opportunity to shine beyond being on that album, this would have been just as big as any Purple Rain or anything else. I, I, I was like, this song is fantastic, man. And just the, the message behind it, you know, just going to the lyrics a little bit. Uh, it's fantastic. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that because um, for me, that particular track was one that I would listen to it. But if I wanted to hear the songs, I had no problem skipping that one to go to another track. Mm. Um, but hearing it and I, you know, yeah, you're right. There, there's a lot more. Uh, it seems like there's a good separation of, of different instruments on this. So you can hear them clearer and you can appreciate that a little bit more. It's not like listening to it for the first time all over again. It's not that kind of dramatic, but it, it's enough to make you want to appreciate it more and actually want to listen to it all the way through instead of skipping it through to get to your next track that you're looking for. So I agree with you on that. I think it's it's it. It, it it allowed me to be able to appreciate it a little bit more this time around listening to it. Cause normally mm. I would listen to it a little bit and then just move on. I wouldn't listen to the whole song. It's not a very long song. And I might listen to like two minutes of it. And once it gets to the bridge, I'm like, all right, time to go to the next song where this time around, I want to hear it a little bit more because of the way it sounds. Uh, yeah. Automatic is another one. That's that way too. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That That's one of I was one that always it would start out and it was like, Okay, how come this isn't as loud pumping as what it just came before? You know, but now it's like, I, almost like it was intentionally muted so that it wouldn't blast out <laughs> over everything else, and now it has its its place to shine a little bit better than than it has before. Yeah, and let me say one more thing, and I'm going to go. This is the other thing that uh, I, my one of my takeaways of this whole particular piece of the project. I always and I and I say this because I have high respect for the engineers that worked on these. Uh, recordings originally, right? Uh, so I, I say this in love, but I always, for albums like this, I always was like, man, I wish that, uh, and I would say the same thing for Sign of Times. I sometimes wish that 
Prince was able to record his music with, um, I guess I could say more experienced engineers at the time. You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of these, some of these songs are just not recorded well, uh, whether it's, I don't know if it's the equipment or, or what it is, or maybe they're just not mixed as well. Sometimes I wish like, man, I wish he had more experienced ears, uh, on his stuff at times. It, that's not an issue later on <laughs> uh, in his career. I think some of his later stuff sounds fantastic, but I just thought some of the earlier stuff, because you listen to albums of that time, other albums of the time, they sound, some of them sound phenomenal. You're like, God damn, especially like in the seventies and stuff like this stuff is recorded. It just sounds, ugh. you know, your ears are bleeding. You can feel all the music. And I was like, sometimes some of his early stuff, particularly like his bass playing and things of that nature, they would seem to like sort of bury it down in the mix or they would, or the bass wouldn't have like uh, any sort of bottom to it, which always sort of puzzled me because when you go hear the live shit, they make, you know, that's a part of the essence of it. But sometimes I felt like in Prince's stuff, they would take the bottom out of that. And I don't, and I was maybe always maybe question like who's mixing this or who, who has an ear for that type of music? Like where it would, some of these uh, tonal sounds should be there. Uh, and it was always more, I always felt like his stuff more was like on the treble side, <laughs> like it was more on the, let's just make it sound kind of evenly clear or something, but it doesn't have any bass to it. And I think some of that has been restored a little bit to to, to this. Uh, so it's great that you can hear more of, that's what I'm saying, you can hear more of these songs because I think you have, you know, different ears on it. And I, I imagine back then when Prince was recording this, they were so, going so fast and they would always talk about, we're just going to mix it that night or come back the next day and mix it, which is really an unheard of type of thing. And that may have a lot to do with it as well. Anyway, Big Sexy and Sack. Uh, what say you, sir, about the 1999 album? And you're muted or something. Mark, you still there? All right. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I had the mute button hit. Um, there's a lot to this project. Uh, the first thing that immediately stands out to me is when I bought the first downloadable high resolution version of this album a couple of years ago, I noticed it was mastered in 24 bit, 192 kilohertz re resolution, which is pretty high. I'm like, okay, we're looking pretty good here. I noticed this one and these, in fact, I mean, all of the original material and the new material in the super deluxe, it is all at 44 or at 24, slash 44.1, which is a higher resolution, but it's not really that high. So I was kind of leery at first. And then I sat down and gave it the somewhat critical listen. And it's funny because I think Ernie mentioned DMSR or, or was it Ant? Somebody mentioned DMSR and that's where you can hear a difference right off the bat. Cause I played them both side by side. And I thought, okay, something's different is going on here. And so I, then I just st took a step back and let the original version play before I got into the other things. And to say it's simply louder is really, really 
oversimplifying it. It's like Mike said, certain instruments are brought up, they're more featured, and if, if there are things you you aren't listening for, you may not hear them, but you'll know something's different here. Now, I don't know, because I don't have my super deluxe version in front of me, so I don't have my liner notes. I'm guessing that Bernie Grunman did this remastering as well. I don't know, but I know he did it on 1999. And if he did do both projects, I would love to hear his thoughts on this, you know, as to what he did differently as opposed to way back then. You know, I'm sure the digital editing materials didn't exist back then. So there are things that he probably could do a lot easier than he could then. Now, from a content standpoint, um, it really just flows. It's like Mike said, this is his off the wall. And it really is because, and we've been talking about this a lot lately off air. He recorded this coming off the heels of the whole Stones debacle. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people would have taken that type of setback and said, well, you know what, I'm just not going to you know, do it anymore. They quit. Prince is like, oh, we're doing this now? All right, fine. I got booed as an opening act. Okay, I'm not going to be an opening act anymore. That's that. And he comes out and drops a double album on Warner Brothers' laps. And says, there you go. Run with that. And he did. Made him, a, you know, an international star. I don't want to say overnight because, you know, we all know he put in the work. But to the general public, he came out of nowhere with this. And it holds up. And as far as the deeper cuts, we'll get into that, you know, later on. But again, just sonically for me, in the beginning, listening to the two versions that I have, yeah, they put some work in on this. And it was definitely meticulously done. And the, the end product speaks for itself. All right. Mr. Ampo. I know you got something to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate to be a wet, a wet blanket on the campfire, but Ooh. unfortunately, maybe I, I guess I don't have the sophisticated ears, or I'm not big balling like Mark over there with the, with the super deluxe special Wi-Fi Bluetooth HD sound system. I've listened to this in my car. I've listened to this off the my iPhone, even in headphones, and. Unfortunately, I really cannot tell the difference uh, from uh, in the remasterings from the original. I kind of noticed uh, a bit of a difference on DMSR. I feel it's a little fuller. I just got to listen to automatic, and unfortunately, I I don't I don't hear it. Maybe um, again, maybe I need some beats or something. But you know. It, it doesn't really, the sound quality isn't really resonating with me as a remaster, you know, that just could be a problem with me. But overall with 1999, I guess my thoughts on that is it definitely was a game changing album. Uh, the thing about it is, is it's a little too wavy for me, but you can sense with Little Red Corvette, with Lady Cab Driver, with International Lover, that he was definitely expanding and evolving his musical stylings. And, you know, here's the experimentation. And now we're going to get the the real MPLS sound. Hmm, okay. Okay. You know, um, what's the song I was thinking? Oh, uh, Something in the Water. 
Something to water your drink. Listening to, and that's another one of these songs too, that of course I had no problem with the way it was before. And, uh, but listening to it now, I was like, I can really, I was in with some good headphones. I was like, let me listen. I'm listening to this and you just can hear things that I've heard before, but just a lot, a a little more clear, (laughs) you know? And I was listening to this song and some of the themes throughout some of the other songs. It's a very interesting, like, I was trying to figure out what was my man's head at because on one, some of these songs, and of course, you know, there's elephant in the room with a song extra level that is not included later, which we'll get into, but it just seemed like the subject matter. I was just wondering like what Prince was sort of pushing on or talking about. Cause even in this song, this song has uh, what I would call this gorilla pimp Prince uh, a little bit uh, later on. He's like, bitch, come here. I was like, it's like, yeah, okay, Playboy, kind of going hard on him, and I was like, is this like a pimp sort of mentality in in this song? Because he's like, first, you know, he seems like he's doing his. I'm not saying simping, but he definitely like you know, talking about who wants to be with this woman. But then when he actually sort of approaches the woman in the song, he's like low key manhandling her. Right, like he calls her a bitch. It's like, come here, and then he throws a little game. Or you think you're special? Well, so do I. You know, I was like, okay, okay, Goldie. <laughs> and then he, and then he says it again. It's like, bitch, come here. And you hear like, I don't know what. And I'm putting this out there. I'm not saying it what it is. But does he like slap her or something? Like, do you hear that noise that's in there? He's like, Psh. I'm like, damn. What's going on now? I know at the time that we're in, I know some of y'all, oh, Mike, you're trying to push that agenda on. Nah, I'm not doing it. I've always said this about this song, but it's just funny now that I can really hear. I'm curious if you guys ever like, what did you think he was doing at that, in that part of the song? Then then nobody. Do we want to go down this road? <laughs> well, I've already said, I mean, it's in the song. I'm not, I, I, I ain't lying. You hear something going on. What do you, it, to me, it sounds like the early kid. I was like, is this like the kid from Purple Rain? Because <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, bitch, yeah, bitch, come here, bitch. I'm like, damn, why are you too short? <laughs> you know, I, I never really took it like that. I mean, in, in that it was some kind of confrontation between him and somebody else. Like that was the, uh, the, the, the picture that was being painted with the song. Like the, if you were to, to make a, a a mental film of the song, it wouldn't be him confronting a girl, but more him just kind of you know internally just pissed off somewhere, somewhere, somewhere dark and just just really mad, just kind of thinking to himself, you know. And then you know, just it, it's like his inner voice coming out in that song, and then then he starts thinking about that girl, man, you know, you, you know, it's like when you're. It, when it's a toxic relationship and stuff, you you're you're with this girl and there, or you're not anymore, and you're just you know like man, why why don't you take me back? Why why is it so difficult? And then eventually you get to the point, man, fuck her, bitch, <laughs> you know. And it always seemed to me like like he got to that point in that song. It wasn't that he was saying directly to her, but like an internal thing that just came out. That's how I always felt that it was being done, or maybe it was where I was at at the time. Hilarious. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's, a, it's just a very interesting thing because he doesn't put stuff in his songs for no reason. Like he's right. very there's a reason behind it. Yeah, he's very purposeful of what he does, and I just thought it was always interesting. You know, when I'm, I'm just saying now, when I listen to it and you hear some of this stuff in other songs, it's just a funny kind of. It's not a. It's not a thing I think about Prince, 
but when you kind of look at all of it, at least in this period, and then I'm I'm also having Purple Rain in my mind too. Um, you know, the way the kid was acting in Purple Rain, it, it seemed like there was a, there was a level of what I would call, of course, they would call it other things. And I don't want to use the buzzwords they used today. To me, it was, you know, it's that gorilla pimp <laughs> sort of stuff. And, you know, the manhandling a little bit or talking talking a certain way to, to the ladies. And again, I'm not right. trying to, uh, I, I'm, I fuck with these songs. I have no problem with it, but I'm not going to act like it's not in the songs either, right? Right, there's always like a misogynistic vibe to these songs back when. And when you hear about the other songs that were... That that have that were leaked afterwards, you know the bootlegs and stuff, and you fit them into the place. Yeah, there was a lot of misogyny going on then, and that was that was evident in the movie Purple Rain as well. Uh, it, it was there. I'm not excusing it, and and with some of the songs, you know, there's parts in it where if I'm blasting, I'm gonna turn the sound down a little bit, you know, on certain parts. I'm like, okay, I dig it, but that's like a personal dig. Me enjoying these these music, but I understand that. Mm, I don't think I want to be blasting these parts out too much. You know? <laughs> Hilarious. Well, well, one thing about that song, and to me, it also dovetails into the bulk of Lady Cab Driver, is just, you know, if he's singing as a character, that's fine, but he's angry. You know, the part yeah. in Lady Cab Driver, well, you know, take this, and this is for you, yeah, and this is for that. That's, that's whoa, right. Whoa. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's for you. That's what that one for you. Yeah. <laughs> but then near that, as that one, you know, starts to you know get to its conclusion, his whole vibe starts to change too. At first, he was really angry, and then I guess you know she laid it on him, and he was like, "Well, oh yeah, that's for you." That's for you. <laughs> like, okay, okay, uh, calm them down. Yeah, she, she stayed him right. Like it. She did the, the Morris <laughs> thing. Oh, God, God, God. <laughs> Mars? Yes, baby. <laughs> What's my name? It's baby. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're saying though. But yeah, I mean that that is I mean again, that's another situation like, yeah, he was going he was going hard on it. Like take that. Like, Damn, bro, you all right? Like this is some, what's going So that's so why I'm just always wondering like I'm curious like what was was that just the style <laughs> back then or <laughs> Was was what uh, was shit, dude, your your Morris is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, uh, yeah. But I mean, uh, there was a lot of anger there. A lot of anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, that's what I'm saying. And and it's interesting to, to talk about it now. It's it's hard to talk about it now because I don't want to feel like I'm uh, judging it. I'm not. Like, no, of course not. I don't turn. I don't turn it down. I'm turning it up. Like, yeah. But, uh, but it, you know, they won't talk about that. I don't think they probably have any sort of uh notes on this in the book, the liner notes. So that's why I was kind of <laughs> curious to bring it up here. But, um, but that's the songs. I, I don't like when they, they change stuff either. And I'm glad they didn't because that's the song. That's how I was made. It came out at a different time and it is what it is. You know, um, you don't have to play it or you could talk about it, but I don't think you should edit it out. And I'm glad they didn't. Um, you know, Lady Cab Driver is one of his illest cuts like that. And it sounds beautiful on this. Like, it just sounds fucking beautiful. Um, and yeah, man, it's uh, this album. It, I, I already did, but I certainly super appreciate 
this album now just to revisit it and, and for it to get this kind of push. You know what I mean? Like they didn't have to do this. Uh, and I'm glad they did. Like this, this deserves that shit. All of them albums deserve it, but this deserves it. And it was just beautiful to hear it like this. Uh, it reminds you how strong this album is. Like this album is bananas, man. You know, it's, it's it freaking is. bananas, man. Like dude was able to come off of controversy and he literally just dropped the bomb. And he was like, I'm going to do the double joint. <laughs> and I'm putting burners on this motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, these songs are so like a part of our prince mind and culture. You, you sometimes forget the weight of like, nigga, this is 1999. Is the first song on this album? It's a burner. And I'm sorry if you hear the train in the background. I, I live next to train tracks. But this song is is ridiculous. Little Red Corvette is ridiculous. You know, automatic. Uh, so it's, and, and the fact that he was able to, as I said again, and I'm going to go to Warner Brothers, that he was able to drop, and they gave him the ability to drop a double album and two other side projects all mm. in the same time. Mm. Like this is exactly Later on in years, he kind of expected that same sort of get down and he didn't get it, which is odd because if you look at his career at this time, he was big, but he wasn't that. I mean, you know what I mean? He wasn't that big, right? Like, no. he, you know what I mean? No, like he, he was not. big in a certain demographic, black music and stuff, but he is just barely sorting to cross over a little bit and was really this album that does it. So for them to say, yo, we believe in what you're doing. You want to do the Vanity Who? Sure. Another time album? Yeah. And then you want to come with a double record? Sure. So I, to mm. me, it's like they had a lot of confidence in Prince and he over delivered, in my opinion. Like he dropped, he was able to say, you know what? I can drop these heat tracks for the time and I'm not going to even be, uh, you know, intimidated on myself. Like I feel like I'm giving up my best. Man, I got ill shit there. It's just bananas if you think of it like that. Like, God damn, man. That's and crazy. See, the, the problem, for lack of a better word, is back then you had people in Warners and all the other labels, for that matter, who were nurturing talent, you know, were bringing them along, giving them room to do their thing and grow and all that. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, two names immediately you know spring to mind, Mo Austin and Lenny Warrior. And they were like big time behind this. They're like, look, let this kid do his thing, man. Get out of the way. Let him do his thing. Nowadays, you don't have that freedom anymore. So when that's probably why he had the beef with them back in 94, because he was expecting that same type of treatment. But, you know, Mo Austin and Lenny Walker weren't there anymore. And the people who were in those positions, you know, were a couple of tools. You know, they weren't about the music. They were about, you know, the bottom line, all that, you know, business bullshit. And you can't run a label that way because they showed it that you can't. And now the whole system, and this is me going into business for myself a little bit, but the whole, that's why the whole label system as we know it is in the toilet now because they're not letting these cats grow. They're not being nurtured. They're not being taught these things and they're not being led. And they're also not being given the space to do what they do. And it's really, 
frustrating. Yeah, it was definitely a different a different time back then. And I, and I think, too, I, as I I have to give Warner Brothers credit, they, they had the ability to see that Prince was worthy of that sort of freedom or, you know what I mean, to, to let it grow and let this dude do what he does. And Well, they saw that when they signed him and they, yeah. they tried to get at him and say, look, why don't you have Maurice, you know, produce? He's like, no, I produce. Well, show us. OK, here you go. Right, oh, right. shit, he can produce. Get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's and I was listening, you know, I think it was yesterday and shout out to uh, Roger Troutman. It was his birthday, I believe uh, yesterday. Rest in peace, man. But it made me go back and look. I was like, what other stuff had came out at that time? And that was that, you know, Zap. Uh, was it Zap 2? Maybe it was out, whatever. They were around the, the same. They used to tour together. But I can hear sort of like his uh, the uh, the camaraderie or I could hear sort of the similarities in the sound of some of the Prince stuff at that time and Zap, you know, they really had very similar uh, in terms of their funk records and stuff like that. Very similar, the, the chicken scratch, the heavy synths and that bass type stuff. And I was like, man, and they were on Warner Brothers as well. But it was like, you could, this, it was, it looks like there would have been a difference you could see, and even with that, I'm saying what I'm trying to say is you can see the artisticness of Prince where he was just pushing it beyond just doing the funk thing. Like he was doing a whole bunch of other stuff too. It was so creative with it. Um, but there was also a place that he could be like, yeah, whatever's popping right now, I can fit into that lane too and, and do my thing on top of that. You know what I'm saying? So I could, you know what I mean? I don't know if I'm uh, articulating it correctly, but if you go listen to some of those Zap records and stuff that came out at the same time, you can hear the connections like, okay, this sounds like it would have been something that came out during that same time. Like it doesn't sound like it's out of the ordinary. It sounds like they the top dudes. It's just that the Zap and them, they stuck with very particular type of thing. They weren't going to be doing the rockabilly per se, uh, their albums almost structured more like the time albums where yeah. it was, you know, it was like six songs and it was like, they're going to put two, at least two party burners. Like, you know, they're going to be nine minutes long bangers, no question classics. And then they would have some other types, you know, slow jam and they might delve into some, to some blues or uh, stuff like that. Whereas Prince's albums, he was, I'm not going to say he was all over the place, but he was like, now I'm going to show you this style that's popping right now, but then I'm going to pop in this new wave, this other shit that a lot of us ain't touching, And but I'm going to flip that. You know what I'm saying? There, there would be no defined uh, formula to it. Yeah, it, and he would flip that, and then he was like, okay, uh, let me show you. I, I, I got a little bit of rock in here. You can hear a little bit of it coming through, but you know what he did? He always brought it back home at the end and said, I'm going to bring it right back to some, some straight R&B soul joint. Not gonna have no drum machines. They're just giving you that traditional shit. That's to me like international lover. It, it ain't. It ain't got all the drum machines. It's pure. I'm giving you some soul, <laughs> and I'm taking home with this. So even if I'm on some futuristic shit, I'm still bringing it right back. And, and you can't deny it. like international lover is this shit. It's just drum. Morris on the drums. My man giving a soulful ass performance on them vocals. <laughs> And they they dropping, 
<laughs> right? That's, <laughs> and that's like, that's yeah. what I said. You can, and you know where his heart was. I said, man, he was doing all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, he still had that, like, yeah, we, I ain't crazy. Like, I got you. So I, I appreciate that. That's when I look at the album like that, I appreciate like, man, it starts from, starts from here, from some end of the world shit, but he ends it with, with the same way he would end, he ends sign of times. And you know, I'm, I'm bringing this shit back home. Like, we ain't crazy. We fucking. <laughs> you know, we hit drop. You know, this is we get. You know, we get it in. That, that's not get crazy. Like I'm here for the late. Where my ladies at? You know what I'm saying? Let's get the gushy gushy going, and and we can go home. And so all that old. Da, 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 da. So anyway, yeah, 1999 is a motherfucking man. That's all, that's all I got to say. <laughs> um, any other words on this particular part of the? album proper before we move forward uh, again you know for me I was really concerned about the resolution that they presented this in and I had said in the chat when I saw that it was in quote unquote only 2444 I'm like pass but now that I've heard it I may have to go ahead and uh, go ahead and make that move on the high resolution as well because it's consistent throughout the original stuff and the the vault material. It's all in that type of resolution. And I may have to go ahead and do that. I'm sure my wallet's looking at me like, you're in your damn mind, but I still may have to go ahead and do that. Yep, yep, yep. And then, you know, the other thing real quick too on this, they they have to uh, really keep a uh, keep an eye on the respect of the original sound of the album, right? Uh, what I mean by that, because they could have easily, and I wouldn't have necessarily been mad, but I would have been too controversial. They could have said, you know what, we're actually going to go back and remix this bitch. <laughs> like, but then that would take away from the intent, you know, the sound of the how he wanted it to be, Prince. Uh, then you'd be messing around with, you know, scriptures at that point, right? You can't, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I will say this. So I respect that they were able to, we're going to keep the original sort of sound of it, but we're just going to make it sound that you can hear it more fuller. I guess we're not going to go in there and move up, you know, the dials on the kick drum or the bring up this sound or, or put a different EQ on this. They didn't touch none of that. And I respect that because that's a tricky thing to do. Now I will say this. I think there is a place for that type of release. Uh, I, times. I, well, no, yeah, but I'm looking at like, when you look at some of the slide stone releases, they've released alt version mixes uh, of, of some of his stuff, like the classic stuff. They'd be mixed different. I would say they can, I would, so I would love to hear something like that. You, I don't think you would do that with the, you know, you, you have your proper release of it remastered, but I think for like hardcore fans, this may be years down the line where they'd be like, you know what? We're going to take this stuff and we'll mix it uh, uh, so you can hear this part a little, you know, and actually go in there and give a different mix of it. I wouldn't be mad at that because I'd be very interested to hear. That's why I said to me, like, I would really like to hear some more of his bass playing. Uh, not the fact that I couldn't hear it. I want to feel it. And sometimes you can't, sometimes you can, there's certain parts I'm like, man, you're supposed to be able to feel that. And I'm going to use an example of something I jump early to say, when you go to Bold Generation, which gets you later, there's parts in that song where I was shocked, like, because that synth bass, for whatever reason, maybe it's not a proper mix. 
it gets it gets thick toward the middle part of that song, and it sounds like some of them old school funk records. Like I was because I played in the car, and all of a sudden it's just I was like, "Who is this?" Like, nigga, uh, <laughs> they clowning with that. I was like, they really turned this shit up. So, I, so I know it'd be in them songs, but. Again, I, I respect that they had to respect the original sound of the album and not go crazy with it and turn it all crazy. You know, let's let's add a uh, you know eight oh eight kick drum in there. <laughs> that would have been like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that's nineteen ninety nine. You know the album. We ain't got you ain't got to tell us. We already know it's dope. Um, now let's move on to we're going to go into disc two so this disc two is labeled the promo mixes and b-sides and this essentially would be like the seven inch version they was like what the hell is a seven inch well there were uh shorter albums <laughs> vinyl at that time there was the larger one then you had the 45s uh wasn't there like three different speeds back in the day 16 16 yeah no be- no no was it, it was 33, 45, 78, too. 78. 78. Yes, yes, yes. God, we are dating ourselves. Because um, I remember there used to be three different vinyl sizes. One, I guess the 78 was a very rare one, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the 78 was like a lot of the old, old, old yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's how yeah I Cat Calloway and stuff that, you know, be dating before that, actually. Okay, so so this in tune with this is this really uh, is is shines a light on a, on an older time on a different format. So when they're talking about seven inch versions, that's what that is entailing on v- vinyl and of course radio edits, uh, and then we get the B sides. Uh, I'm just going to zero in quickly for myself. Um, was oh, uh, irresistible bitch. That's always been a burner, but now to me, it just sounds fantastic here. And uh, again, this is one of them songs that it's like, you you got that in the back pocket? Like, God damn. You know, and that's a B size. Like, whoa. Uh, Just, and that's a classic joint. It's a classic joint. Um, uh, I want some of you guys to talk about what do you guys have any standouts here on disc two for you? So, well, you know, just speaking for myself, I just kind of listened to it just a little tiny bit. Um, it does sound again, clear, like you said, but uh, I've yet to really dig deep into that one. Uh, but f- the bits that I've heard, uh, they sound, you know, relatively way better than they have before. So, you know, but I have yet to really peruse into that into that CD. I basically went uh, the 1999, heard that one all the way through, and then held off as much as I could. Then went to three and four, CD three and four. Okay, but CD two, I just kind of touched on it just a tiny bit. Aunt Pooh. For me, it's the uh, Little Red Corvette special dance mix. Mm. I think that one that was a standout highlight for me. Yes, yeah, that that's always been. I remember the first time hearing that when I finally, I don't know, what was that? I mean, obviously, it was the first 12 inch, but I never heard it back in the day. Uh, was it on? Uh, it was on, it was like Ultimate Prince, I think it was. That, that was it, Ultimate Prince. It was yeah. an extra CD that had all the remixes on it or the extended mixes on it. 
Yeah, and I was just I was, blown away by that. I was like, God damn. Like, woo. This is what this... I, I, and I don't know the history. I don't know if if it is a remix or he re-recorded sections to that or if that's how the song really was. Uh, but whatever it is, it's nasty. <laughs> I believe that was the version that was given to Warner's first and then he later mixed it for mm. what eventually came out on the album. Gotcha. And then that's when he added things out of it. Real that's quick, an incredible I, mix, though. Let me go down this tangent before I jump to Big Sexy. That's the other beauty, beautiful and skillful aspect of Prince that's throughout a lot of his material, but I want to talk about it here, is his ability to edit himself. Like, the way he truncates songs or changes things up, it's fascinating to me because sometimes when you hear the, uh, you know, unedited versions of some of this stuff and you're like, wow, that's dope. But the fact that he was able to present to us these somewhat edited versions of songs and there's a, and they sound beautiful. Like this is what we know them of. It's fascinating. Like he's able to critique his work like that before it's put out and say, you know what, let's cut that part out and have it go into this section and did it just, it just to me, it was like, it blows me away because sometimes it, for an artist to do that is a very hard thing. Um, they can't edit themselves. Like they, they want to just keep it all in or they don't really know what makes their stuff tick enough to other people where they can edit it. They would do like a, a you know, George Lucas or something like, oh, I'm going to edit it this way. It's horrible. Like, but Prince is able to self edit his work in the most brilliant way to me, like I, one of the things that jumps out to me and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about later, too, but I just wanted to jump into that. As you said it. Big Sexy. Or did I ever go to no Big Sexy? Any standouts on this one? Well, the standout <clears throat> for me always has been, always will, will be Irresistible Bitch. Because I remember when I first got the 12 inch of Let's Pretend or Married, I'm like, what's this? I turned it over. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> party's on now. But as I look through the list of disc two, I see there's several inch edits, and I see a couple things are in mono. And I was sitting there thinking, why were they releasing it in mono? That I thought, oh yeah, AM radio. AM radio was mono, mm. and that's why it makes sense to to have that. And for a completist, you know, you want all these different things in there. Uh, but for me, other than the additional material, like, uh, you know, let's pretend we're married or how come you don't call me anymore? Everything else, like, I don't like shortened versions of anything. And I remember, I forgot where I read this, but Prince said he didn't like people remixing his stuff. If he wanted to play, wanted it to be a longer song, he just play longer. I'm like, fair enough. Which he did do on the America 12 inch. So I'm like, okay, makes sense. But. You know, again, like kind of like uh, what Ernie said, disc two was just kind of like, you know, in a holding pattern until you get to disc three and four. Yeah, I almost feel like they should have. And, and I appreciate them putting this stuff out because, again, like you said, this is for completists and they're they're basically saying, hey, we respect that. Like, we're going to give it all. Give it there, even if some of you are not going to be into it. I just felt like they made should have put this had this would have been maybe the last disc or something. You know what I'm saying? Because you want to go from to album to to the to the jewel all of a sudden, but you, you do kind of go through this. But I respect that they put all that stuff on there. 
Uh, I think that's dope. I, to me, I'll say this. If you put all this on there like that, I almost feel like there should have been a ultra, ultra there should have been an ultra edition of this where they would have had, again, the night, excuse me, a nasty Vanity Six album would have been a disc and the Times album would have been a disc in here. That would have been the ultra edition. So it encompasses that entire run, that period, because it's not just 1999. It's those other two. They would have had those in there and that concert DVD concert DVD would have been the entire, you know. I like how you all, put all, that all because things. if they had called it instead of 1999 Super Deluxe, if they had called it like the 1999 Project, then you could fold all those other things into it because at the end of the day, it all came from the same person. All of it. Yeah. And all the same period. And it just would show encompass. This is how he got down. Like he was dropping joints for himself and also drop other classic joints for other people at the same goddamn time. And it's, so you want the complete, again, it would have not been for the, you know, normal customer. It just have been for the the real not, ultra fan. Not for the mere mortals. <laughs> yeah, it would have been for the and for those who are like historians of music and want. Let me study from the scrolls. You know, what I'm saying, get the full like, yo, this cat was bananas. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, like, who who was doing something like who who does this? You know, what I'm saying, and and, the, and it's all quality work. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I I do appreciate this disc as well. And what we're gonna do actually. We're going to chop this review up because this, it, we, we're going to go along. So this is just part one. You know, we're, we're giving you side. This is side A. You're going to have to flip the album over for the rest of the funk. But this first, these first two tracks are essentially what uh, you would think of as your slight, really standard uh deluxe edition or something like that you would get the album and then they got they gave you the 12 inches even this alone is out of the park in terms of the quality of the work the 1999 album itself and then to hear the singles and then you getting a taste of some of the b-sides that came out with it as well uh high water mark print stuff um uh, so that stuff is great. What we're going to do, we want, oh, go ahead. You want to say something? Yeah. It, it, I just want to kind of piggyback on what you said right there. Here's, here's to put things in context. Prince was in what, maybe 23, 24 years old at the time when, when he uh -huh. did 1999, you're 23, 24 year old artist today. These two CDs, uh, CD one and CD two might be enough for their ultra version. Nowadays, that might be all you get on that. Then you still, have CD three, four, five from this release here of that same time period. That's how crazy wild this whole package is. When you compare it to something that might be released today from a 23, 24 year old artist doing stuff, that's just wild to think about. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I, I agree, but I, I'm going to push back and just say, I think there are younger artists that are capable of doing as much work as this. They just would never put it out. They would it probably would never get released because <laughs> they're not like they don't have some, you know, they're not a big uh, social media star or a pop star or, or some other angle tied to them. 
because uh, the game ain't about this. What, what no. this is, they wouldn't. Right, never, and it's not, and yeah, that's, that's what even, I mean. Yeah, they wouldn't even let an artist release no shit. Like they would pick whatever that one song they thought was good. They would go get uh, Cardi B to rap a hook on it oh. and, and push it. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny because it, it's true. That's and, yeah, and if that song survived and did good, then you could do another one. But they wouldn't. You're not coming out with. No shit like this. Uh, they, ain't, mm-hmm. they ain't the game. Unless you're doing it yourself, and then we wouldn't hear about it. Um, oh, well, and, and the other thing, I'm just going to jump back to Irresistible Bitch. Like, there it is again. So that, <laughs> Emphasis on the bitch. Yeah, there it is again. Is he calling, he's calling women bitches, right? But, but, so it's just funny. It's a, it was a different time. Uh, yeah. You know? And it was, but the thing is, with Prince, he did it in such a way that you don't even equate it in your mind that he's calling somebody a bitch uh, or that it's mis- I, like I don't call it misogynistic I didn't see it that way it was, it's just done in such a slick uh, dope way that you, you you don't even like I never even stopped to glance like oh what it's just it was just like it was almost like he was comp- not saying complimenting but I don't <laughs> no, see it, it as a degrading compl- type of thing. You yeah. know what? Well, you could throw it in. You say it's almost complimentary and and uh, and almost a sign of respect at the time. Back then, yeah, it sucks that you got to say that. But that's I mean, at the time, you know, I mean, uh, now you know I don't want to go no deeper than that. <laughs> <laughs> nah. I was gonna let you go ahead and hang yourself. Go ahead now. <laughs> nah, because nah, then you can you can just go under what how how maybe mm, you know how maybe a woman would have taken it back then too. But again, that's another topic for another day, and that's deep. I'm, but, I'm but, afraid. But that's I'm, the I'm scared facts. Now. No, I'll but say it for you yeah. because yeah, because we we're all grown oh, here, so no, people no, can no. discern what we're talking about. But that we was, lived that. That's yeah, why. That's that was what it was. It wasn't seen as a derogatory thing. I'm not saying that it wasn't to some people. I'm just talking right. about at that time, it wasn't taken that way. It wasn't. You know, I, it's interesting because uh, it is. It becomes prevalent. And a uh, big uh, Ernie, turn your mic down for a second. It becomes prevalent oh, later on in music, where the word "bitch" and different things, and and it sort of maybe takes on a different type of connotation a little bit. But I don't get that from this particular song, "A Prince." Um, now, again, I was looking at it as a younger person when I when this came out. Uh, how I would see it now as a grown man might be a little different, but uh, it just goes to show where Prince was at that time. And it's good or bad. It, it's just an honest look at what he was doing and what he was talking about. And so when you get to songs like extra lovable, which I guess you only going to leave that off now because it's, it may be a little too blatant. There's really no, there's no way you can sugarcoat, <laughs> you know, rape. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, so they can't. You know, you can't really use these sort of uh, analogies, or somebody would say excuses that I'm using now. You, you can't really excuse it, and it, no one's going to stand up and argue it, right? So they probably be like, let's just leave it off, which is unfortunate because it's a it's a dope song. Prince obviously redoes the song later and puts it out, um, but. You no, know, it is what it is. So there are different themes going on in this record, which are not unlike other themes that go on in other Prince albums, you know, 
uh, it is what it is. Um, people mature or things change. Uh, but it's just interesting to, 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 to see that. Um, but anyway, we're going to wrap this up. So this is part one. Ladies and gentlemen, what did you think of this? Please come back and listen to part two. We're going to jump into discs three and four and go into these unreleased songs. Listen, if you haven't already, we have a Patreon page and we actually have a Prince related podcast that is only on our Patreon page called uh, Top Two. I almost forgot the name. And you have to go check that out. There's uh I think there's one episode up, but we have another one that we're about to drop. But that's another Prince related podcast that is only on Patreon. So please go over there, sign up, get on board, help support the site. And uh, we're going to see you on part two. But you already know what I'm about to say. Work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace.